Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Okay, if we're going to recreate this old pic of us that mom posted, we've got to get the outfits right. Well, for some reason, I can't find gauchos with a matching shrug anywhere. Let me try on my Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. I just use the S Pen to circle the outfit in the post, and bam, five sites to buy it from right here. Shut up! How did you... You shut it. Mom's coming. Cute outfit. Get me one. (laughs) Circle it, find it. With the new Galaxy S24 Ultra and circle the search with Google. Upgrade now at Samsung.com. Internet connection required. Results may vary based on visuals. So, whenever I talk about COVID, or whenever I talk about viruses or governments or what may have happened or may be happening, there's always a tremendous amount of response. And uh, my guest is a leading expert on laboratory accidents. She's an author, of course, and professor with the University of Missouri School of Journalism. Her book reveals her groundbreaking investigation of laboratory accidents and the risk of future pandemics. Pardon me. My guest is Professor Allison Young, and uh, her book is Pandora's Gamble, Lab Leaks, and a world at risk. Professor Young was the first journalist to obtain an exclusive interview with the NIH's Dr. Anthony Fauci and reveal key details about a secret February 1st, 2020, listen to this now, teleconference where an elite group of international scientists discussed significant concerns that the newly emerged then COVID-19 virus looked like it had been created in a lab and then abruptly changed their view after the meeting. Now, this past Tuesday, a congressional hearing before the U.S. Senate Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic began to examine the potential role played by high-profile scientists in suppressing investigation of the lab leak hypotheses of the COVID-19 pandemic. Professor Allison Young is the University of Missouri School of Journalism, Curtis B. Early Chair in Public Affairs Reporting and the Director of the University of Washington, or University's Washington, D.C. program. She's the recipient of multiple national and international investigative journalism awards. Uh, I don't want to call you a professor. I want to call you Allison. Is that okay? It absolutely is. Thank you for having me on your show. I have to tell you, I read your book. I got it sent two days ago in PDF form. I read it all. I had a lot of things to do, but I wanted to read your book. So, Allison, I have far more questions for you than our allotted time allows, but let's give it a try. You begin your book, Pandora's Gamble, with a cable sent from the U.S. Embassy in Washington about a new biolab opening in a place called Wuhan, China, and the concerns associated with that lab. Can you start us off with that? Absolutely. So before the pandemic began, uh, there were some scientists and some experts from uh, the U.S. Embassy that went to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. This particular lab had recently opened um, a biosafety level four facility. This is the highest level of biosafety in labs around the world. Uh, This kind of a lab works with the most dangerous pathogens, things like the Ebola virus. Um, And and they went there to see what was going on. What they heard from some of the staff at this lab 
was concerns about lack of training um, at the facility. And and that early cable um, did show some warning signs well before the pandemic began. And and that particular lab has been uh, at the center of concerns that COVID-19 could have come from a lab accident in China. Yeah. So, so there were the concerns that this new virus, COVID, may have originated in the Wuhan lab. And then they began to be derided as a conspiracy theory. Why and who was behind this? And what was that call on February 1st, 2020 all about? It was a pretty remarkable call. When you consider the fact that we expect pandemics to happen uh, we are increasingly as as human beings encroaching upon wild areas and coming into contact with animals and the viruses that they carry. So it's expected that there will be outbreaks and pandemics associated with animals. Um, so it's pretty phenomenal that some of the world's leading scientists came together on February 1st of 2020 to discuss the possibility and their very real concerns that the virus causing this this emerging outbreak at that time looked like it had been engineered in a lab. And this particular meeting um, was was convened by two of the most powerful scientists in the world, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who was at the time the top infectious disease um, official at the U.S. National Institutes of Health. And Jeremy Farrar, who at the time was running the Wellcome Trust, both of these these organizations are two of the leading funders of biomedical research. And also at the time that this here this um, meeting was being called, um, it was known inside the National Institutes of Health that the NIH had funded some of the research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Okay, so is this a case of uh, follow the money? There there definitely have been lots of questions about following the money and the various interests that um, are at play when when research is funded and when various scientists have have uh, collaborating relationships. Um, what what was surprising about this meeting is that the scientists all came together. They debated whether or not this virus um, may have come from a lab. One of the scientists, um, to give you an, your your listeners an idea of how seriously they were taking this, um, one of the leading um, scientists in these emails that have come out over time talks about how the unusual features of this virus um, make it look potentially engineered. And as they have this meeting, they're debating back and forth about how they're bothered that this specific feature that the virus has, that they have a hard time explaining that an event outside of the lab um, could have caused it. Um, it's there's this remarkable discussion of concerns. Meanwhile, there were some on this this secret teleconference who who very much from the get go said we don't think it was engineered, but also expressed concerns that even the discussion that COVID-19 could have come from a lab would have the potential to damage science. 
Um, it had the potential to also damage relations, international relations between the U.S. and China. Um, so there were those kinds of interests that were in being debated as well. And and it's one thing for this debate to be going on. But then very shortly after this meeting occurred, you had one of the key participants on the call writing in an email to other prominent scientists who were advising the White House out of the U.S. National Academies of Sciences, um, saying that that this is, you know, these are crackpot theories. Um, so going from literally being in a discussion, leading um, the discussion about concerns that this looks like this virus was either engineered or manipulated in some way um, in the lab. And and then within a span of about three days by by basically between Saturday and a Tuesday in early February 2020, the scientist basically telling this other group of scientists that they need to push back against these crackpot theories that are. And in this country, um, Allison, there was uh, there was one point where a reporter speculated in front of the Federal Minister of Health, that perhaps China was involved in uh, in the goings-on with COVID. And uh, that reporter, it was immediately suggested, had a racist position, shut him up very quickly. And then you write about um, the issue being muddied by politics and the cultural divide. I'll ask you about that in a minute. But let me ask you uh, first about that exclusive interview that you had with, with Dr. Anthony Fauci about COVID in 2020. How did that go and what did you come away with? So that interview, um, the interview was actually in uh, about a year after the secret meeting. Th this meeting would still remain secret had information not come out under U.S. Federal Freedom of Information Act requests. And um, the National Institutes of Health and other government agencies have really fought to keep information about this meeting secret. Um, and so it wasn't just Freedom of Information Act. It was lawsuits that had to be filed. And so some of the information started trickling out in 2021 about this meeting. And and I requested an interview with Dr. Fauci. Um, and it was an interesting meeting in the sense that it was a short uh, phone call call. Um, and, and unlike many interviews where you will get a heads up that you're actually being granted an interview, um, in this case, Dr. Fauci called my phone unexpectedly one day um, to talk about this secret meeting. Um, and he, he said he remembered it very well. He spoke about how that it was a scientific discussion, that, that there were some on the side of it being engineered and others who really felt uh, strongly that it could only be of a natural origin. He said he took the position he had an open mind um, at that time and still did at the time we had our interview um, and that that it was suggested coming out of this meeting that there should be further study. Um, so it was it was an interesting discussion. It is really one of the very few times he has spoken in detail publicly about that. And it was the first time he had um, at the time I talked to him. Mm -hmm. Pandora's gamble, lab leaks and the world at risk. You write as well. There have been major lab leaks in the United States, including Camp Detrick. And tell us, please, what happened at the University of Wisconsin Level 3 lab in 2019. Yeah, that was a particularly um, 
significant incident at the University of Wisconsin. They are a lab that has um, been been under the microscope going back almost a decade because of their work doing what has been called gain of function research. That's where um, various um, pathogens are worked with and manipulated in ways to make them perhaps more deadly or more transmissible than what's found in nature. And they had created um, a a strain of avian influenza um, back around, it became public around uh, 2011, that could transmit among ferrets through the air. And the reason that's significant is that ferrets are the model for how a virus might behave in humans, flu viruses might behave in humans. And so it was highly controversial, this virus in 2011, when when the world uh, became aware that it had been created in these labs. What, what I was revealing in Pandora's Gamble is that they actually had an accident with this very same virus in um, in 2019, where they had three scientists in their biosafety level three lab, two of them who were experienced researchers and one who was a trainee. And when you're in a biosafety level three lab, um, these researchers are covered in multiple layers of personal protective gear. They've got on Tyvek suits. They um, are double gloved. They're doing everything they can to protect themselves from becoming unknowingly infected with a potential airborne virus. And in in this particular case, the most important piece of equipment that these scientists was wear, were wearing was what's called a powered air purifying respirator. It's like a face mask and it's hooked up to HEPA filtered air through a, through a hose. It almost looks like a vacuum cleaner hose going down the scientist's back. And as they're working with these ferrets um, and and taking various specimens, the trainee notices that something's wrong with their respirator, which was delivering safe air to them. And the hose had become detached and was loose in the potentially contaminated air of this lab. Um, what, what I report in the book and reveal for the first time is that, you know, it's one thing for a mishap to happen, but what, what happened next is that they ultimately Release this researcher from quarantine. They didn't ever report the incident to state and local public health officials, even though that had been something that the lab had represented going back years would occur. There were delays in reporting the incident to the National Institutes of Health, even though the NIH would say and is quoted in the book as saying that this was required to be reported immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was. It was an incident that that raises a number of of really concerning questions about the amount of trust that the public puts in these kinds of labs, because the public is trusting that when something goes wrong, that incidents are going to be reported immediately and they're going to be followed up by by organizations that are supposed to be overseeing these labs. Yeah, I just have a very short period of time here. Um, So how concerned must we be? about perhaps ongoing or future lab accidents, which may have the potential to spread another pandemic creating pathogen. It's something that everyone should be concerned about. We've all experienced how devastating a pandemic can be. Um, And there have been 
organizations, including the Government Accountability Office, which is a nonpartisan organization that have warned for many years that the more of these labs that are being built and doing risky research, the greater the risks of a lab escape causing a devastating epidemic. So we all need to be concerned and educate ourselves on this topic. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.